Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also make you feel totally in control? Enter Conair Girlbomb. They're like your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results. Made just for us. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip to the professional-grade blades, say goodbye to settling for less. With Conair Girlbomb, you get the precision and power that used to only be exclusive to men's tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb, available at Walgreens. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Hey, Snafu listeners, this is your host, Ed Helms, back in your feed for another bonus episode. This one is really, really cool. If you told me a year ago that I would be having a conversation with a former KGB agent, I would just tell you that you're cuckoo bananas. But it actually happened. Now, over the course of our show, we got a healthy dose of espionage intrigue through our friends Oleg Gordievsky and Reiner Rupp, the two spies at the center of the Able Archer story. But the KGB had a whole network of operatives all over the world, each one on their own separate mission. One of those spies was a man named Jack Barsky, who infiltrated the U.S. in 1978, then eventually defected from Russia and became a U.S. citizen. Just like our pals Oleg and Reiner, Jack's story is full of danger, intrigue, and incredible twists and turns. I had a chance to sit down with Jack recently, and it was a really exciting conversation. He was completely transparent and forthcoming. Literally nothing was off the table. And he provided some amazing fresh insight into the Soviet's Cold War mindset. And we even had a few chuckles. I really enjoyed this interview. I got a ton out of it, and I think you will too. Hello, Jack Barsky. It is a pleasure to meet you. You uh, have an incredible story, KGB spy here in the United States for uh, about a decade. So um, let's just dive right into uh, to your origin story. Tell me about growing up. Where, where exactly did you grow up? Where I was born was in the Soviet-occupied part of Germany, very, very poor, very rural. Mm. I, I was taken care of fundamentally 
we, we had enough food. Maybe 50% was potato-based, but <laughs> I can't remember ever having been hungry. And I didn't know that I was poor because everybody else was poor. Sure. So you got, at Christmas time, you got a bunch of presents and there was only one that you really wanted. The rest of it was underwear and socks. Wait a minute, <laughs> Christmas time? Oh yeah. How did you have Christmas? There's no, uh, you didn't, no one believed in God. No, but but you see, Christmas also has a pagan tradition. Sure. Okay. And and in the in the communist countries, that was the uh, the tradition that was kept. I honestly had no idea that uh, <laughs> the rest of the world was uh, celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. I had no idea Jesus even existed. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's pretty extreme. Oh yeah. So you didn't get a lot of uh, in in your education growing up you weren't learning about other ideas. They were teaching us the wisdom uh, and there was only one truth. There was science and math, and then there was ideology. And the ideology was treated as if it was a science. Uh, Marxism-Leninism was considered a science equal to physics and chemistry and so forth. Wow, that is fascinating. If you grow into that kind of a, uh, an environment, what are you going to do? You don't know anything else. There's no other, no other opinions. The only thing that uh, went across borders was shortwave radio, but uh, we, we didn't listen to shortwave talk. We listened to rock and roll. Very cool. Do you remember any bands you were listening to at that time? Initially, it was uh, a couple of singers, Americans, who sang in German, Gus Backus and Bill Ramsey. Huh. Pigale, Pigale, das ist die große Mausefalle mitten in Paris. That was, that was Bill Ramsey. <laughs> but one day I heard a band called the Beatles. Yeah, they'll change your life, the Beatles. <laughs> and it, it doesn't matter how communist we were, so to speak. We all loved that music. Oh, wow. This is this is fascinating. I wanted to talk about the pop culture that you were absorbing, not just Western things, but things coming out of the Soviet Union and East Germany, particularly movies. You know, the spy stories have always been such a rich part of cinematic storytelling. And, and so what were you seeing at the time? And did you have a perception of like of the spy life? And fundamentally, there was this dichotomy. So we were listening primarily to music that came out of the West, West Germany and England and the United States. But the communist art wasn't so bad. There were like some really good movies. There were inspirational stories, particularly when it came to espionage. There was a series that was called The Invisible Visor. It was about an East German who penetrated West Germany to find Nazis after World War II and uh, make sure that these Nazis were, would meet the fate uh, that they deserved. And eventually he rose up in West German government and did a lot of interesting things. He was all over the world. You know, he was driving fast cars. He he was our James Bond, okay? Yes. <laughs> and he, he got the woman, and this is what I thought what, what espionage would be like. It, obviously, it was highly ideological, fighting against the bad capitalists. Sure, and, sure. So, but, but it nevertheless was well done, artistically speaking. 
Yeah. Well, I think that there's a great appreciation creatively and artistically for so much of what was coming out of the Soviet Union at that time. So let's transition from some of these cultural considerations into you specifically. You're sort of working your way through school. At what point does, you know, an actual spy <laughs> life start to coalesce for you? Yeah, that that took a while. So uh, elementary school, I was just playing along. You know, I, I didn't care much. And uh, in high school, I was still playing around, you know, but I became a little more ambitious and uh, I managed to have nothing but A's on my last report card. And so that, that, that allowed me to pretty much have my pick what university to go to. I aced university as well, but here's a big but. It's not because I was the smartest guy, because I was clever. There, there were a couple of guys, at least, that were smarter than me, but but they didn't know how to manipulate the system. Ah, yeah. Okay, interesting. So you're kind of, uh, it's not just your intellect, it's sort of your your savvy. Exactly. Sort of street smarts. Uh, at one point in my third year, there was a, a national scholarship, and I suggested that I be submitted. <laughs> and the, the fellow who wrote the application he showed it to me. I said, "That's that's not going to work." I rewrote. I wrote my own application, and I was awarded that scholarship. And that, I believe, got the KGB to t- pay attention to me. That's it. That's what. That was the sort of uh, opening <laughs> volley that that put you on the KGB's radar. I, I, I believe so because you 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 couldn't like if you want to work for the CIA, you could just like. You know, sure. Contact them and go online, fill out an application. Uh, there was no such thing. Uh, uh, you could not contact the KGB. They came to me. Hmm. So you're you're clearly a sort of um, a desirable candidate. Oh yeah. Um, and 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 you think that's what actually put you on the KGB's radar? What was your first point of contact? So <clears throat> it was on a Saturday afternoon. I was sitting in my dorm room, and I get a knock on the door. So in comes a a short um, man who was not likable, even even just looking at him. It was not James Bond. No, <laughs> he, he was German, and and uh, he said, "Hey, are you Albrecht Dietrich?" I said, "Yes, I am." Oh, uh, um, I just want to talk with you about your plans after you graduate. That was the dumbest uh, cover story. Uh, in that I've ever heard in my entire life, because in those days when you when you were done, you were assigned. Oh, you didn't get to just kind of uh, pontificate about what you no, might want to no, do. No, no, no. And that's how this guy started the conversation. Yeah. So you knew right away this guy doesn't know what's up. Yes, he pretended to be a, an employee of the the biggest. Uh, company in town, but I thought he was German. I thought he was uh, East German secret police Stasi. Okay, but aren't you nervous anyway? No, no, not, no. I mean, I, I would think, uh, I would think a Stasi knocking on your door might rattle anybody. I, I have always been fearless. Interesting. Okay, so that is a different, that's a difference between you and me. I clearly have a more fearful constitution. And you, you, you're fearless. Yeah, you're but really fearless. Well, I'm afraid of my wife. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but, but generally, generally, I, uh, 
I have always done risky things that other people wouldn't do. Hmm. So, uh, so this guy, you know, was lying to me and we were talking a little bit for a while. And then, uh, after about 10, 15 minutes, he, he changed his tune. He says, you know what? I, I gotta, I gotta confess. I'm not really from that company. I'm from the government. (laughs) He said the government. And And you're like, I "I know. (laughs) I, I, in, in my mind, I was thinking maybe I should ask him what part of the government, but I didn't. So I said, yeah, okay. And he said, can you imagine one day working for the government? He didn't ask you to join the KGB right uh, now. No, no, no. He, he okay, said he's government. still sussing you out. Yes. And th- the next meeting was in a restaurant, the m- most expensive restaurant in town. And he w- he said, well, we're going to meet there. And when I get to the table, there was another fellow sitting there. And this guy, who never introduced himself, said, uh, by the way, this is Herman. We're working with our Soviet comrades. Wow, this is exciting, right? You're yeah, a, you're a, well, oh yeah, a man. Third year in college, and and the KGB is is taking you to a fancy restaurant. Oh, the KGB was known to us as the most powerful organization on the planet. You know, there there was a KGB mythology. And philosophically, right now, you're where where are you with regards to the Communist Party? I was a member of the party. I was very active in the uh, the youth uh, organization at university. And, and was this because it was just convenient to do that, or were mm. you a true believer? I was a true believer. True believer. Okay. Absolutely, 100%. So that makes the KGB super exciting. Oh, my God, yes. Wow. Absolutely, yeah. And, uh, okay, so you meet with Herman. Herman says, uh Let's 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 meet again. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's just lots of meetings. It was a very slow ramp up. Initially, I would meet with him in his car, sort of at the edge of town. After some maybe three, four months, he must have determined that I was a really good candidate. Wow. Was there anything in your recruitment that made you think they want me to be capable of extreme violence or, you know, that spying involved, really, you know, like scary altercations, weaponry and close quarters combat and all that sort no, of thing? No, Nothing. no, 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 no. All the people that I worked with, uh, both in East Germany and then uh, during my time in Moscow, were gentlemen. Our weapons were supposed to be our brains. Mm. So let's talk about the training. What what specific skills are you learning? What kinds of uh, devices, tradecraft is is entering the picture here? You, you, you'd you be surprised. The very first document they gave me to read was a book uh, about the history of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just more indoctrination. Oh, you bet. <laughs> but with regard to tradecraft, we're starting out with a shortwave radio reception Morse code. And then I was taught uh, how to produce secret writing. Hmm. That is a skill. It isn't just something you just do. The KGB uh, produced uh, pieces of paper that were impregnated impregnated with a just a trace of a chemical. Uh, the way to do this right, I had to be really, really careful. I had to make sure that everything was totally clean. If you didn't know what you were looking for, what chemical you were looking for, you wouldn't find anything. Oh, wow. 
That's cool. Uh, so, so you're getting some of these these skills. What was it? Surveillance detection or something? Yes, surveillance detection route. This is uh, this is actually an internationally recognized uh, abbreviation. The FBI uses it the same way. So this is what what you do. Counterintelligence need to follow you when you are out and about. And so the idea was that you have to have a fictitious reason to go there, there, and there. Department stores, going to a movie and buying a ticket. And, and the, the whole idea, if, if counterintelligence follows you, they know that you're doing what you're doing. Mm. However, there's no proof. If you see the same face twice within three hours, you know that you're being followed. I had really an uh, extensive training in Moscow where I, uh, we, we practiced this about a, a, a dozen times. And sometimes I had nobody following me and sometimes I had a whole team following me. <laughs> and it was a competition. And the, the test was to figure out who was following you. Yes, I won every time. Oh, nice. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. So you've you've got uh, you've got some serious skills now. You're you're getting training in Moscow. Let's move on to your placement. So you were born Albrecht Dietrich in East Germany, but to get to the United States, you needed an American identity. How did all that go down? Well, first of all, we had to have some documentation that uh, allowed me to live in the United States, right? There was only one paper that was important. Was a, it was the birth certificate of Jack Barsky, a child who passed away at the age of 11. Uh, oh. this, this, is what, this is what the KGB used to steal identities, and this is what's still being used, if possible. Wow, Jack Barsky was a real, per- there was like a birth record then, and, and a birth certificate. Yes, one of those diplomats in, uh, who worked in Washington, D.C., he was wandering on, around in cemeteries and he found the... Uh, uh, tombstone, yeah. The tombstone, right. And it says, yeah, Jack Barsky, born 1944, passed away in 1955. Uh, and you want a child because then there's they don't have a life of, of, uh, of records and yes. all of the evidence of that. That's correct. Wow, that's kind of dark. And uh, in, tho- in those days, in those days, it was really easy to get uh, a birth certificate. You didn't have to show why you were entitled to get it. You all you had to do is, uh, you know, fill out a form and then pay the fee. Mm. So active agents kind of procured your papers. That's correct. And then uh, you, and then you had that to travel with. Right. So, so how did they decide? Did they have a conversation with you? What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Or no, just... no, this, this was, uh, you know, there was never a really well-constructed plan. It was more <laughs> of an idea. You okay. know, you just go and then you do good things. Ah, so basically the assignment is just go and be curious. Go and find your way up in society. There was a master plan that if that had succeeded, I would have become a really, really dangerous agent. The plan was for me to get all the documentation that you need to operate in the United States work there, including a passport. And with that passport, they were going to send me back to a European country that speaks German, Mm -hmm. like Austria or Switzerland. And then they would have had me uh, open some kind of a company, to establish a company, and they would funnel a lot of money into that company. So within two years, I would go back to the United States, a millionaire. Oh, that's nice. Well, what happened? to th- This is a great plan. You And, and you get to be a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, a, that's a hell of a plan. Yeah, I failed. I was able to, when when I get to, got to the United States with that birth certificate, I was able to get a social security card. I was able to get a driver's license. So I was functional in the United States. But uh, the journey was really well planned, except for the very last leg of the trip. 
The way I traveled, it was impossible to trace me back to Moscow. So from Moscow, I took a plane, I went to Belgrade. From Belgrade, I took a train to Vienna, neutral country. Mm. In Vienna, I changed passports. I met uh, a, a, a KGB agent, diplomat, uh, who gave me a, a second forged passport, and I gave him back the first one that I used. From Vienna, I traveled by train to Rome. Now we are in NATO territory, right? But I'm already like twice removed. And there I got uh, a Canadian passport. Okay. And, and that gets you into in where? Where, where do you go from there? From, from uh, Rome, uh, I went to Mexico City. Mm. And in Mexico City, I bought a ticket uh, to my hometown to fly uh, back to Toronto with a stopover in Chicago. So they had me uh, deplane in uh, at O'Hare, and uh, and that's when the trouble started. I mean, I should I should have been busted right then and there because uh, the KGB had nobody. There were no Soviet citizens in Chicago. Nobody knew about Chicago anything. Wow. Okay. So when you first stepped off that plane at Chicago yeah. O'Hare, and you're you're suddenly you're walking on American soil. Is that that must have been an incredible rush? Yes, particularly once I got through uh, customs and uh, immigration. I said, "Yes, I did it." Yeah, <laughs> but but before that, it was like anxiety. Yeah, a lot of it. Okay, I would imagine. I mean, I would yeah. be crippled with fear at this point. But you, <laughs> being fearless, get through it. <laughs> Okay, so you get to New York City eventually. I'm so curious, you know, we talked a little bit about your assignment, but like, what the hell are you doing day to day? Uh, I had some tasks. There were a couple of times where they actually asked me to do something really important. One of them was uh, to find an ex-KGB agent who was actually an assassin who had uh, uh, defected. Uh, and it was under a death sentence, and they wanted me to find out where he is. Did you find him? Yes, I did. Whoa. And did they send someone after him? They didn't, thank God. It's it's another one of those movie scenes. I went to uh, uh, San Bernardino, and he, they told me, see if he's still teaching at uh, the University of California. <laughs> Wait, and an I, assassin had gotten a job as a as a college professor? Yes. Well, well yeah, he defected, you know. Yeah, he, but still, that's a pretty different skill set. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, an assassin has to be really smart to get away with what they're doing, right? I uh, guess so. so, yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, so I'm I'm walking uh, up and down the the hallways of uh, the University of California Bernardino. The last door on the left, there's a nameplate that says Nikolai Koklov. That's the guy. I was looking for, and I, as I'm looking at this uh, at uh, at this nameplate, the door opens and he comes out. <laughs> this is this this like delicious situation where a, an ex KGB agent who is under a death sentence is looking at a KGB agent who is trying to find him. Neither I nor he knew who, who we were. I found out much later. <laughs> he died from natural causes. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, I was also asked to operate as a spotter. You know, when uh, the KGB had a, a methodology how, how to recruit people, first, you got a spotter who looks, who looks for talent. 
So are you looking for people to to flip Americans who yes. might work for the KGB? Okay. Yes. So at the time, the Soviet Union has this uh, this this kind of research process called Operation Ryan. Just for the listener, Operation Ryan was this kind of insane thing where uh, uh, spies all over the world were were asked to just give the Soviet Union confirmation that America was going to start a a nuclear war, basically. You are the first and only interviewer who knows exactly what that was. I didn't know at the time. Uh, I wasn't told there was an operation, but I was told to keep a a periodically take a look at uh, at the Navy weapons station at the shore of New Jersey. Mm. To just go look at it, or what? Look at see if I if I see uh, if I see signs of preparation for war. Yes, I, I was also trained to recognize based on on the silhouette what kind of ships are out there. Oh wow! And uh, you know, I had no idea I was part of that that program. <laughs> but you're reporting back on sort of what you're seeing. As possible as possible war preparations. I never saw anything out of the ordinary, and in fact, there was no preparation for war. But uh, you know, the fellow who was in charge of the uh, KGB at that time, Andropov, was absolutely certain that uh, Ronald Reagan will push the button. Okay, that's fascinating because there's controversy over whether Andropov actually believed Reagan wanted to start a nuclear war or if they just wanted us to think they believed that? No, I I, I believe my interaction uh, with my handlers in Moscow indicated to me that they, uh, they were really afraid of Ronald Reagan. And there, there was some, some element of uh, cultural misunderstanding because Reagan was a believing Christian mm-hmm. and he uh, he sometimes quoted the Bible, particularly the book of Revelation. Uh, the s- scariest book of the Bible. Right. <laughs> so in a communist country, nobody had any kind of idea, uh, particularly the ones in, in the, the decision makers. They, they didn't have context as to what, when you quote the Bible, what that means. Mm. And uh, clearly... Ronald Reagan was not, uh, he didn't think he was appointed to accelerate the end of the world. But, you know, Andropov and, you know, the central committee of, of the party, they they were really afraid of this man. They, they believed that Reagan wanted to end the world? Is that what you're saying? He, he wanted to start a war. And, and and the war would have been the end of the world, yes. Well, of course. Yeah, it, yeah. Of course it would have been Armageddon. But what... Uh, how do you know that? What what signals were you getting that that Andropov really thought Reagan wanted to start a war? Uh, obviously, I I, I nev- never had a conversation with Andropov, but I had conversation with uh, people that uh, were in his, his organization, and they they were all like deathly afraid of Ronald Reagan. Wow, mm-hmm. wow, that is fascinating. And are you aware of the the Able Archer eighty three? Uh, military exercise that was happening right I I wasn't aware of it when it happened but I know what you're talking about during the cold war uh we came close three four times uh to a nuclear exchange and every time it was based on a misunderstanding 
And that is what I'm worried about right now mm. with Russia being on edge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that mistakes can be made. And, you know, you, you have one mistaken launch, it's over. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. So I want to back up a little bit. You had a few specific tasks, but you also had this kind of grand, larger uh, mission that was really up to you, it sounds like. How were you communicating with Moscow while you're in the United States? What were sort of your, what were some of those tricks as a lone wolf? Yeah, um, so if, if you ever watch the Americans, uh, there are a lot of scenes where the handler, 
of the two illegals is meeting with them. Mm -hmm. That never happened. There was a hard uh, rule that you do not meet, an, an illegal will not meet with another agent in the country where he operates. So, so communication was, uh, it wasn't direct, it was indirect. They, they sent me the stuff, whatever they wanted to communicate in Morse code once a week. Ah. Uh, by the way, that's still being used and it's, it's significantly better than using uh, social media or the internet because when you, when you send signals out into the ether, you know, people know where it came from, mm -hmm. but people don't know who's actually listening to it. Right. And then to communicate back to Russia, what are you doing? Secret writing. Uh, I had uh, what they call convenience addresses. These were uh, collaborators with the KGB in other countries. Mm -hmm. So I would write a letter as if I knew about them. I knew anything, said, I'm sorry, you knew, you know, you broke your leg or something like, like open text. Sure. And then I overlaid this with uh, some secret writing and then I would mail this thing and then it would, uh, uh, they would know that this had to be hand, handed over to the KGB agent. That's wild. Okay, so at some point during this uh, process, you decide you don't want to be a KGB agent anymore. What happened? Where was the ideological shift? Because now you're an American and you seem to like America a lot. Yeah, well, it, it was a, what I call a slow decontamination. The mm. first thing that I realized was that uh, capitalism isn't really as oppressive to the workers as I thought, because when I started working for uh, MetLife uh, as a programmer, uh, it was a nice place. And they treated us well. We got free lunch. Other than like, you know, bad bosses and and uh, and not very nice co-workers, I couldn't find uh, uh, in institutional evil. It wasn't there. But but when when I resigned from the KGB, I, I put in my letter explicitly, I will not betray the cause. I will not betray my motherland, East Germany. And I meant that. And, you know, and then I had a career. I, I developed my version of the American dream. It wasn't ideological, but it, it was like, you know, I liked it here, you know. Mm -hmm. And I became what they wanted me to become, a real American. You know, I led a normal life. Uh, at one point, I, I became a professional. I worked as a computer programmer. And, uh, you know, if you're a young man, you, you have uh, some, you know, your hormones are, on, are still there, right? Sure. Your job is inherently lonely as hell. Yes. So I started dating and I, uh, I found a really pretty young woman who was safe because he had emigrated from South America. If I had gotten close to a born American, they would have found, figured out sure. something something odd about this guy. She wouldn't yeah. have known. Uh, turns out that she had emigrated, but she was actually illegal. So uh, I helped her to become legal. Oh, you, you, know. you married her. I, ma I married her. And so uh, in 1987, my daughter was born. And, um, you know, this is, I don't know, do you have, do you have any, uh, any girls? I do have two girls. Okay. 
Don't you love them? Didn't you love them like crazy when they grew up? Uh, well, they're, well, they're still quite little. And I will say oh. uh, it is a form of love that I never even contemplated before. It's exactly. So, it's and so deep. It is so profound. And, and and that is exactly what happened to me. I mean, this this girl was and still is extremely pretty, huge eyes. And I mean, just like, just beautiful. And uh, uh, when she was 18 months old, the KGB said, uh, sent me an urgent message that I should uh, uh, return to the Soviet Union because I was about to be arrested by the FBI. Uh, it was a red herring. It wasn't true, but they believed it. And obviously I should have believed it too, right? And you couldn't bring the child back to, to Russia no. with you? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I kept the fact that I married this woman. Oh, and okay. I didn't tell. You were keeping secrets from the KGB. <laughs> yes. now. Oh, wow. Of course. <laughs> this is, you really are fearless. Your love for your daughter is yeah. what kept you yes. in the United States. And, and explain to me why you don't just say, I'll just keep being a spy in the United States. You actually want to leave the KGB at this point. Well, well they, 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 they thought I was uh, um, about to be arrested. So they wanted me back in the Soviet Union. And that, that forced my hand, I okay? See. Because uh, I had to tell them that I'm not coming. Right. So they wouldn't search for me. And so I, I, my last letter in secret writing uh, uh, stated the following. Uh, thank you for pointing that out. I'm... Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be careful, but I can't come because I have HIV AIDS. Whoa. You, but you didn't. Of course I didn't. And so once the, K, once, once the KGB finds out that you have AIDS or that you've said you have AIDS, they're terrified. They don't want you back. Oh, no, no way. And uh, Okay, so now you're off the hook with the KGB, but... I, did, I didn't know this. I was hoping for it, but I actually was 100% because they went to my German family and told them that I, uh, that I already died. Wow. So then they just forget about you. They did. Absolutely did. I spent about three months after I mailed that letter at being very cautious, careful, looking for FBI surveillance, looking for KGB. I was so well trained. I knew that there was nothing happening. So I told the mother of this child, I said, okay, you know what? We should start looking at uh, moving into the suburbs and buying a house. That's when I, that was my first step uh, to become an American. Wow. All right. So a million questions. But the big one is you left the KGB. Eventually, you actually became uh, an American citizen. The FBI yeah, got in yeah. touch with you yeah. uh, and you became, uh, you know, an open book to them. They yeah. then offer you citizenship. And here's my question. Once you became public, why isn't the KGB trying to kill you now? Well, first of all, my case is really old. Mm, but you're still a liability. I mean, you're you're telling these stories all about kind of Russian tradecraft and all these things. And might I add, sometimes it seems that Russian assassinations aren't just about keeping someone quiet. It, there's an element of vengeance there. Yes. Why are you safe? If they had a list of 
you know, priorities, I'm near the bottom. Got it. Okay, next question. It has been said that there is no such thing as a former KGB agent. <laughs> you are now living your life very publicly and openly and transparently, but who's to say you're not still sending secret messages back to Russia? And I say it with a laugh, but it's a serious question. Yeah, no, you you, you got to trust me. Yeah, oh, is that right? I just have to trust you. Okay. All right. So, so here's the thing. Uh, when I was debriefed by the FBI, you know, and I, I dumped everything that I could possibly remember on them. The last thing they had me do is I had to pass a lie detector test. I passed that test. And then I spent, uh, I don't know how many years, but seven, eight years as a trusted source. I, I flipped completely. I'm as anti-communist as, as you can get. What is Jack Barsky's philosophy at this point? What have you learned from everything you've been through? <laughs> That question was asked of me several years ago, and I wasn't prepared. I had to think about it, but uh, I came up with the best answer. It sounds a little bit hokey, but it's true, and this is what I'm telling you. Love conquers all. That's it. That's it. Yeah. You know what? It does sound hokey, but it isn't. <laughs> It is very profound. It's true. It's true. I, I lived it. Okay. Because I, uh, if I was, had not been in love with this little girl, I would have made the beeline to Moscow and East Germany and lived the good life. Because at the time, I, I had nothing but good things back there. And the love kept me here. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap it up. And I cannot thank you enough for your generosity with your time and your life and your story and sharing all of it. Jack Barsky, I really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. If you want to learn more about Jack's amazing life and his crazy story, check out his book, Deep Undercover, My Life and Tangled Allegiances as a KGB Spy in America. There's also a really cool podcast all about his life called The Agent. Definitely check that out. All right. This is your host, Ed Helms, signing off. Snafu is a production of iHeartRadio, Film Nation Entertainment, and Pacific Electric Picture Company in association with Gilded Audio. It's executive produced by me, Ed Helms, Milan Pipelka, Mike Falbo, Andy Chug, and Whitney Donaldson. This bonus episode was produced and edited by Olivia Canny. Our lead producers are Sarah Joyner and Alyssa Martino. Our producer is Carl Nellis, associate producer Tori Smith. Our senior editor is Jeffrey Lewis. Olivia Canny is our production assistant. Our creative executive is Brett Harris. Engineering and technical direction by Nick Dooley. Special thanks to Allison Cohen and Matt Eisenstadt. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. 
The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.